Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I'm glad you've joined us this Friday, and uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. He's a, a guy who's been a guest on here several times, and uh, he is a guy I consider uh, not only a mentor, but a model of the faith, and uh, a guy who has been a great encouragement to me. And so all the people at SWAT, all the SWAT guys, um, uh, this is a guy that you guys can thank for you guys that are listening for a lot of the stuff that I get to share with you because I steal all this good stuff. Tommy Nelson, welcome back to SWAT radio. You know, I'm going to write a book called sermons. I have stolen from other thieves. <laughs> well, I am glad to have you on. How are you? How are things out in Texas, brother? Doing well. We, uh, you know, have been COVIDized and uh, things kind of slowed down, but we just kept on rolling and played the hand that we were dealt. And God can bless you where He can, He can keep the light burning in Goshen and keep the frogs and the lice off of you. Well, uh, He can, can He? Just walk with Him. Well, you know, one of the things I shared with the guys this morning, Tommy, at our, our SWAT group was that. Uh, we've had a lot more uh, fear running than faith running uh, in the last seven months. It's been a little discouraging in some ways because you are one of those guys that has has not been fearful, uh, along with uh, some other brothers. But it, it's like, where's the church? <laughs> Where are the leaders? What what's happened? You know, and, uh, and, and well, I, I tell you. Uh, this is the time that uh, the saints of God have to show who they are by their faith and to stand up and to say, you know, there's things that are a whole lot more frightening than disease, and we're going to stand for God and we're going to keep preaching. I think for Doug, the whole body of Christ worldwide is about to find out, once people have been on church on a computer, <laughs> so what's going to happen when things settle down? Do they like coming to the people of God, or will it be more convenient being in a recliner looking at a a picture between their fuzzy house shoes, <laughs> or will I have to come and mix and mingle with the people of God again? Because we're not to forsake the assembling, and there is something about the people of God coming together, just as Israel did, Seven times a year, six feasts and fast, they had to come together. Mm-hmm. I, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's good to be with God's people. And so, uh, you know, Americans have always been those that will seek the way of least resistance, the way of the most pleasure. So it's going to be interesting about people that want to stay home and just tune in as opposed to assemble with other stinking sheep. Mm. Well, we've come a long way from Mayberry, haven't we, brother? <laughs> yes we have we could all use a dose of andy griffith uh i think lately he uh yes, that does. that great theologian andy griffith uh well listen um yes. tommy you preached a message a couple of weeks ago called the continental collapse and and one one thing i'll say if if you've never had a chance to uh visit the denton bible church because you've not been to that great state of texas you can go to denton 
and their media, the messages are on there. And, and Tommy uh, preached a message. There's a lot of good messages on there. But a couple of weeks ago, he did a message called Continental Collapse. Four years ago, he did one called Continental Divide that went viral on the Internet. And, uh, and it was about the election. And, Tommy, I heard you preach on the right. Continental Collapse years ago at one of the Friday morning Bible studies when you were teaching through Judges. Really? And, oh, yeah, you were yeah. teaching about the political oligarchy, and I, and I was so encouraged right. to hear it again because it's so relevant to what's going on in our country. And I was hoping that today that we could talk a little bit about that, about how the new religion is politics, and, and it goes all the way back. It's nothing yeah. new. It goes back to Judges and how that kind of happened. So we, we've got three breaks, one at 14 past the hour, one at 30 past the hour, and one at 45. But can we talk about that as we go through this next sure. hour? Okay. So start us well, off there in Judges 6, brother, and Gideon and the religion of politics, how it kind of swept into Gideon's after story. Yeah, well, you know, Gideon is a watershed in the book of Judges. Before him, you have uh, Othniel, and you have Ehud, and you have Deborah that are spotless. After him, you have Jephthah that was a um, uh, a highwayman, and then you have Samson who had his problems, and then you have Eli who's a collapse. <laughs> Yeah. And so he's a watershed, is right in between, is Gideon. And he um, he was a marvelous um, a leader that brought deliverance. But afterwards, they said to him, uh, we want you to be a king, you and your son and your son's son. We want a monarchy. And Gideon said no, because he saw the reason they wanted one was for him to bring uh, political uh, freedom, to conquer the enemy. And that was the reason that they wanted him to rule, is because he could bring victory, military victory, and they thought that um, society's uh, success and deliverance would come from politics. And Gideon said, no. He said, God will rule you. Same reason as they came to make Jesus king in uh, uh, John chapter 6, and he refused it, because they wanted a politics to to free them. And he said, no, God has to rule you. And so... uh, but what he did do was he never judged Israel, but he ruled them politically. And he tried a golden calf. He took gold, 42 pounds of gold, and he made it into a golden ephod, which was the high priest wore. And it said Israel played the harlot with it because they began to worship it, and they began to seek it for guidance. Much as you'll recall, Doug, in the time of Hezekiah, they worshipped the uh, bronze serpent, and he had to destroy it. Uh-huh. And so it was It was like Gideon went down to the lowest level, and he tried to bring God in a compromise down to their level. Kind of like in the last few years, we've seen the emergent church no longer teach Bible, no longer teach theology, no longer teach uh, a Christian perspective of philosophy and discipleship, but we just kind of... Uh, given way to fog machines and holy blue jeans and T-shirts and tried to make Christianity very user-friendly to guys. We no longer teach the Bible. Hmm. And so that's kind of what he did. And as a result, when uh, Gideon died, he had gotten before that a number of wives, and he had 70 70, uh, children, and he was going to try to rule through an oligarchy. And uh, basically, the, the... theological decay that had occurred through that 
theological compromise and having the nation not look back to God and the temple and the law of God, but look to this talisman, this um, crucifix that you would pray to, and it brought theological decay. And so when he died, he had a son named Abimelech, that means my father is king, who tried a coup that he got uh, the men of Shechem to get behind him. And he said, what's better, to have 70 men rule you or one man, me? And he said, remember that I'm from your city. I'm from Shechem. And so he got a small group of people that had uh, what is called a personal interest group that went out and took money from a false god from his temple and then put to death the sons of Gideon. And so uh, they basically did an overthrow. They had a political overthrow of the government, and it wasn't based upon God. It wasn't based on turning back to God. It was an atheist turning to an idol. And as a matter of fact, you remember, Doug, I talked about how they slew the sons of, of Gideon on one stone. And what he did was he, as Gideon had pulled down the altar of Baal to begin his uh, regency in Israel, that they sacrificed these sons on one stone, and it was like Gideon was making an official apology to Baal mm. for Gideon's removal of him. It, we would call it, Doug, he was rewriting history, mm. that he was reinterpreting Israel's history, and he made a bad thing look good and a good thing look bad. And he got a group of people that were in a small interest group, and he made them promises, and they put him in power, not because it was right, but because it was um, uh, it was going to give them the strokes they wanted. And what happened is God raised up a prophet. His name was Jotham. He was the one son of Gideon that didn't get sacrificed. And he raised up, and he stood on Mount Gerasim. And if you remember in the book of Judges, or rather the book of Deuteronomy, Israel was to put six tribes on Gerasim, six tribes on Ebal, and to make a statement about the law of God. When God was followed, followed, there was blessing. When he was disobeyed, there was cursing. And he took his stand on Mount Gerasim, the place of blessing, and he announced to the men of Israel that if they made this man king because of a righteous reason, that he was going to be a blessing. But if they made him king simply because of their small interest concerns and what they could get out of it. We would call it, Doug, today the spoils system. Hmm. If you did that because of what you could get out of it and you rejected God, you rejected theology and you rejected history because it catered to your present-day sins, if you put a sinner in government, because he was morally accommodating to your lack of theology and lack of morality and lack of spirituality, he said, and I quote, may fire come from Abimelech and consume your cedars, meaning that the cedars take a long time to grow. And he said, from this wicked politician, he is going to destroy a lifetime of Israel's gains in one three-year period. Wow. And he did. Well, he said, if you put him in there because he's good, he's going to be a blessing. But if he didn't, he's about to burn your country to the ground. Well, well, Tommy, and, uh, we, we got to go to break. But when I, when we come back, I would like you. There's a story in there about trees. I'd like for you to pick yeah. up on that and and explain the significance of up. the olive, the fig. And, and those trees when we come back, okay? And the vineyard, yeah. All right. Hey, you're yep. listening to SWAT Radio. Tommy Nelson from Denton Bible Church. 
DentonBibleChurch.org. We're going to be right back with more from Tommy Nelson on SWAT Radio after the break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I have Tommy Nelson from Denton Bible Church. Again, Tommy, thank you so much for being with us. We're looking at Judges 6 through 9, and we're talking about how Gideon had tried to basically set up a political oligarchy. His uh, son Abimelech ended up um, killing all the other sons, and uh, and then if you want to read about this, you can go to Judges 6 through 9. But, Tommy, you were just talking about the fire, and that really comes out of the section that talks about trees. And you had talked about Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and Shechem is in between them. And and it, right. when, when Jotham, the son that survived, stood up on the mountain, he told them about trees. And he mentions an olive tree, a fig tree, and and to a vine and then a bramble. Can you explain each one of those to us real quick? Yeah, he said he said to the men of Shechem that had put Abimelech in power because theologically, spiritually, and morally he was decadent. And the scariest thing about a government, Doug, is when you have a nation that is so theologically, spiritually, and morally decadent that they become the prevailing power that can put an equally decadent person in government. He said, "Here's, here's the, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, the trees all went to the olive tree and said, would you rule over us? And the olive said, no, I don't want to get up and wave over you and just have ambition. I want to be a blessing to God and men. From the olive tree comes olive oil, by which there is anointing and there is light. He said, I want to be holiness and light. I want to be a servant to God and men. I don't want ambition. And then they said, okay, and they went to the next tree, the fig tree. Would you rule over us? He said, no, I don't want to be high and lofty. What I want to be 
is a delight. Uh, a fig is the uh, dessert in Israel. It's the it's the apple turnover. And he said, I want to cheer God and men. I want to be. I want men not just to be holy like the olive. I want them to be healthy. He said, No, I don't want to rule over you. I want to be a servant. I want to be a blessing. And then they went to the vine. Would you rule over us? He said, No, I don't want to rule over. I want to come down. I want to make new wine for men to celebrate God's goodness and for God and men to be together and and happy and reconciled. That's what I want is worship. And then they went to the bramble. They went to the thorns. They went to that which was cursed and dead, that which was painful, which you reign over us. And, of course, the picture there is Abimelech. They, they They couldn't get the best guy, so they went to... This cursed, decadent, theologically compromising, murderous individual, and simply because we have something to gain out of the free ride you're going to give us, we want you to reign over us. And he said, if you're coming to me for good reasons, that you really want blessing to come to me, that's one thing. But if you're here simply because you're a murderous group of people and you want uh, something that will coincide with your sin and your evil. He said, may fire come from me and consume you. And then Jotham said, if you put Abimelech in power because he won't stand as a righteous standard but will let you do all the evil you want, if you are men that have itching ears and will collect for yourselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, Uh, and be perverse, if you did that, he said, may fire come forth from the bramble and consume you. He said, you're Stalin here, you're Robespierre, you're Hitler, you're Castro, you're Chairman Mao, you're, uh, you're, uh, what was his name? You're Che Guevara. That fellow you put is going to ruin you. He's going to take you right down to the ground he is going to be the worst nightmare you ever thought of. And you know what? Uh, Abimelech got in power. He had been in power for three years, and all of a sudden they wanted him gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when you can put a guy in government because of your low standards, but as soon as he gets there, all of a sudden you want George Washington. <laughs> you want Abe Lincoln. You want justice done. Yeah. And he wasn't going to do it, and so they found another guy. His name was Gayal, and they put a new revolutionary in, because if there's anything that history tells us, when you stick some atheist in government, uh, he can't rule by divine law, so he's going to rule by oppression, and he's going to start killing people. Uh, They figured out that in uh, Russia that there were 5,000 people killed every day by political uh, executions. And so uh, it ended up between Russia and... um, Germany and China, there were almost 50 million people uh, killed in that short amount of time by mm. political judgments and, and, and murders. And so they didn't want him anymore, and so Gale took over. And always, Doug, revolutionaries will eat each other. And so he got in power and uh, basically... Uh, Abimelech raised up and destroyed Gale, and then the men of Shechem that had put him in power, he went and cornered them in a uh, pagan temple, and they sought for refuge in that pagan temple. 
and he went and took dead branches and set fire to it and roasted them alive. Wow. And so the prophecy came true. If you've put a godless man as, as president in your country, if you have put a godless man as your commissar, as your politburo, as your king, that he is going to consume you. He's going to burn you down. And that is just what he did. And uh, once he burned them down, his rage was so up, he went to other cities to destroy them if they would not submit to him. And uh, this woman up in the tower grabbed an upper millstone and threw it. And God directed it right to the head of Abimelech, and it crushed his skull, and he begged for somebody to kill him because he was going to die in such an ignominious way at the hands of a woman, and his own armor bearer put him to death, and he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And so evil government, when you put it in power, it's going to judge the people who put it there, and then it's going to judge itself. Mm -hmm. And when it's all done, we ended up with a city that was sowed with salt called Shechem, and it was a barren wasteland. And that's what you got out of Germany. That's what you got out of Russia, out of Cuba, what you got out of revolutionary France, and that's what you got out of Poland, that's what you got out of communism, and that's what you're going to get out of atheistic, humanistic secularism that cannot rule by divine law, but is going to rule by oppression. Uh, it was um, Rousseau, who was a deist, who said the voice of the people is the voice of God, that when the 51% get rid of God and impose their will, the voice of the people is the voice of God, and Rousseau said there are some people that must be forced to be free. If they will not agree with the system, we will put them to death. And so the, the, the final outworking of all atheistic systems is they're going to kill anybody that disagree. We, and the only guy standing, Doug, in that uh, story about uh, Jotham and uh, Abimelech and the men of Shechem is Jotham, mm -hmm. the man of God, the only one left standing when it's all said and done. And so that story is put on the watershed of Israel's political system to say, which way will you choose? Will you go Ebal in the curse? Will you go Gerasim in the blessing? They are two mountains that the law of God stands because they will not be moved. And if there's anything that history teaches us, is that you don't fool Mother Nature and you don't fool Father Time. Mm -hmm. That history will come back and burn you down when you reject God. Well, none of this stuff is new. I mean, everything we're seeing in our culture right now. I mean, I, I wrote down in my Bible, oh. and I can't remember if you wrote, if you said this a few years ago when we taught it or, or a few weeks ago, but I wrote down, politicians take over to maintain the order because the fathers and the priest aren't doing their job. That was a quote that you made. Right. Uh, and and yeah, so... Before we ever saw Gideon, we saw the breakdown of Jewish law. Mm -hmm. Every man did what was right in his own eyes, and they just uh, they had an incomplete domination of the Canaanites and adopted Canaanite ways. So the only way you can get an Abimelech is by a culture of theological decay. And so the priest and the fathers of Israel had gone silent, and so evil and brambles took over. Well, Tommy, I, we had uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem on last week, and we were talking to him uh -huh. about the election. I know you had Colonel Allen West out there um, uh, for, right. a, for, a, for a thing on our, how our faith should inform our vote. I've gotten some emails over this past week about it seems you've been more political 
Uh, you're not as much in the Bible, which I am in the Bible. I'm just talking about how the Bible should inform our faith. Uh, have you gotten any blowback at all? We got about two minutes before we go to break. Uh, three yeah, minutes. Some, some. I've gotten some, and I've simply had to say that uh, when you have a culture that rejects human life and becomes abortionist and starts killing 60 million children, you better speak to it. It's not that you are more political, but you have to go to the point of combat. You can't be, like Luther said, to be a well-clad coward. You've got to fight where the battle is greatest. You've got to do like in Nehemiah's day, when the enemy shows up at the breach, you sound the trumpet and people rally to that breach. In our country, abortion, homosexuality, systemic racism, and, um, and basically secular humanism that shows itself in the election of godless, abortionist, perversionist that get, get in power, that's where the people of God have to rally. And so it wasn't that our military got all of a sudden very devoted to Honolulu. No, it meant that we got struck at Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. And that's where we had to rally. We had to rally at Normandy. This is the breach that the enemy's coming through. And so if a church will not speak to abortion, homosexuality, and the, the myth of systemic racism, then that church is a well-clad coward. Mm. It has to speak where it's got to speak. Mm. Well, well, listen, well, we're going like to go to... a guy named Herod. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, we got a minute. We got a minute. Go ahead. Well, well if you remember in uh, the day of John the Baptist, you had a guy named Herod that took his brother's wife and did a number of evil things. Herod rose up, and he spoke directly by name. Mm. Not Herod. John the Baptist stroke up, rose up and spoke directly to Herod and said, what you are doing is evil, and they put him in prison, and John the Baptist still kept preaching. Incidentally, the good guys always have to take off running when bad guys step in, because they lose their religious freedom now. And so he spoke up, and he died, because the only way you could silence him was to cut his head off. Well, and, and that's so what he ended up doing. has gone south, we got to speak. Yeah. But, well, well, listen, we're going to come right back after this. And what I want to uh, talk about when we come back, Tommy, is as Christians, how how do we move forward? You say fight. Let's talk about it practically. And I want to tell you some things that people have shared with me. Um, and, and just get your response as a shepherd out there and how you're handling it, okay? Um, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I've got Tommy Nelson from Denton Bible Church. Hey, if you'd like to hear Tommy's message on the Continental Collapse, you can go to DentonBible.org. That's DentonBible.org. We will come back after this break with more from Tommy Nelson on SWAT Radio.
Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. By the way, if you want to hear this program or share it, and I would encourage you to share it as well as Dr. Grudem's last week, go to SWATradio.com. You can just type in the last name of Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M, or Nelson. It'll pop right up. Click on that. You can share it with your friends, and I highly encourage you to do it. Uh, We live in a swing state. Uh, last year, it was uh, last election. It was uh, a, a point, one point percentage point. It's not going to be much. Uh, back in two thousand with Bush, I think it was five hundred votes. And so, uh, this is an important election. Uh, we've got Tommy Nelson, my good friend, a mentor, and just a, a great model for me in ministry. He, Tommy's written some books. I really, really quick want to tell you a couple of them that have been meaningful. Walking on water. When you feel like you're drowning, that's Tommy's own personal journey through depression. And right now, there are a lot of people experiencing that because of everything going on in our culture and COVID and everything else. Walking on water, you can go to Amazon, get that. He's also got a book called The Book of Romance. You can get these on Amazon. A Life Well Lived is his study on Ecclesiastes. Those have been meaningful to me. I don't know if they can get the book the man in the bow tie <laughs> they have to go to denton bible probably to get that one don't they yeah that's the tommy nelson story written by me about me published by me it's completely objective <laughs> it, it is a funny book oh tommy you have a funny way with words but uh you can go to dentonbible.org and go to their uh, you can go to their media page and you can get any of the past messages uh tommy's got books he's taught on he's been preaching for over 40 years been a faithful expositor and i've always appreciated his love for the lord and his word and speaking to culture Uh, that being said tommy as we've listened to you talk about gideon and in the politics and right now our country is more politically divided than ever um what would you say to the christian out there who says you know what uh, Trump is an immoral person. I can't vote for him, and I'm I'm just not going to vote. I'm just I, I don't want to vote for either candidate. I think they're both corrupt. What would you say to that person? I would say number one, you're uninformed and you're naive. Um, as if we have had presidents all of our um, history that have been Sunday school teachers. Um, the best I know, Woodrow Wilson was the president of Princeton. He was a good Presbyterian. James Garfield was a Christian. Beyond that, we have a mixture of deists and um, every sort of person out there. Uh, you're not electing a man to be a Sunday school teacher. You're, ne- you're electing a man for a platform. And that platform is uh, that of justice, that of religious freedom, that is the... Um, uh, the preciousness of human life and the preservation of life. Uh, that is that of uh, Christian freedoms. That is that of protecting our borders, that of the support of the police. You're supporting a platform. You're not supporting simply a man. And so you need to be more um, informed about what a presidential election is. A municipal election, you're voting mostly for a candidate. hmm a presidential election, you're voting for a platform. And I'm going to vote, Doug, for a man who will uh, 
have the honoring of human life, that he will be uh, pro-life, that he is going to uh, let a child in the womb be safe. I'm going to vote for a man that is going to uh, not force me to be homosexual. He will not force me to consider homosexuality as a civil right, that I have to hire a homosexual. He will not have uh, uh, soji laws, uh, gender laws, where I am held culpable, and I have to support the fact I did not turn the homosexual down because he's homosexual, because that would be wrong. Anybody that's going to hold me to that, I'm not going to vote for that person. I'm not going to vote for somebody that wants to sanction illegal anything, much less illegal immigration. I'm not going to uh, vote for somebody uh, that wants to defund the police and put me at risk. And I'm not going to vote for a socialist that wants to take the people that that make the money and work the hardest, and I'm going to take money from them, and I'm just going to give it away. Hmm. I don't want to do that. That is un-American. It's not just unwise and unbiblical, it's un-American. So that's what I'm going to vote for. Now, whoever lines up on that, Democrat, Republican, whoever, whoever that guy or that girl is, I'm going to vote for that person because those are not issues that are issues of politics. They are issues of the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm voting for. The Bible says that sin is a reproach to any people, uh, that a, a throne is founded upon righteousness, that the lips of a king uh, are to seek a divine judgment that he should not err in his lips. And so I'm going to look for a guy that will uphold the very law of God. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just heard you. Um, you mentioned the whole transgender thing last night. Joe Biden at a town hall had a lady stand up and say that her eight-year-old daughter is transgender. First of all, how her eight-year-old daughter would even know what that is unless somebody taught her that uh, is is in question. But here's what Biden said uh, in response to that question. He said that he would do everything in his power to to protect transgender lives, and just and and basically, uh, she mentioned discriminatory policies of Trump, including a military ban on transgender and stuff. And Biden said he would flat out change the law, eliminate any executive orders that would, you know, keep those transgenders out of the military. And then talked about how he encountered LGBTQ people as a young person and taught that it was okay. And, you know, for believers, you know, there's a difference between loving the person and affirming the sin. And as far as I know, nowhere in scripture Jesus never affirmed sin, right? I mean, he never affirmed anybody never. sinful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we are told to um, hate the garment polluted by the flesh. That we have mercy on those who are doubting. Have some have mercy with fear, hating the garment polluted by the flesh. We show mercy to men, but we hate what they do. We are called physicians who go to the sick to be healthy, and so. Uh, homosexuality is allowed. It always has been in our culture, well, at least of recent. But to say I have to always, I cannot be discriminatory on that moral issue. In the same way, if I've got a guy that's living with his girlfriend, that runs against my belief it's a question about marriage, and I'm not going to hire that person. Now, I can't be called to account for my morality, my moral judgment, if I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And Now, in, in the same way, if I'm not going to hire a homosexual because I don't want a homosexual working because I feel that it's wrong, I have got that right in my business to do that. And anybody that is going to take that right from me, 
that he that's not politics anymore. That is morality and the imposition of an immoral thing. It's like um, a uh, runaway slave law, that I'm now guilty for housing a runaway slave, and he must be returned. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. That is a moral thing. That is a wrong thing to take away a man's freedom. And so that that's moral. So, no, this is not an issue anymore of politics. Christians aren't dealing with politics. We're talking about murder. We're talking about sodomy. We're talking about racism. We're talking about uh, the removal of Christian moral liberties. Hmm. And that's not politics. That's morals. Well, I've read a lot of the Puritans over the years, Tommy, and the Puritans stood on the Word of God, and they experienced a lot of persecution for it. Do you see that down the road uh, for us? Do you see us sliding down toward that? I think... I think there will be a time that uh, churches are forbidden to do hate speech, quote, mm-hmm. that if you say anything about homosexuality, if you say anything about uh, the idea of systemic racism being wrong, if you say any of this about transgender, it will be considered hate speech, and you will now lose your tax-free uh, uh, status, mm-hmm. that uh, you will now have to, like, if, you, if I paid taxes on the property that we have, it'd be about $7 million a year. Wow. Uh, First Baptist Dallas would be about $30 million a year. It's gonna, and so it would kind of put them out of business. Uh-huh. And so the government will now be taking over. And so that's what I see coming someday. If you say this, that we're going to punish you for saying your Christian beliefs. Hmm. Uh, once you get rid of God... There's nothing logically that's going to stop the spread of oppression. Wow. It'll get to you. Well, we have, you know, we, we, we have about a minute for our third break. And so we won't be able to get into this totally. But when we come back from this break, Tommy, I would like to discuss a question I got asked the other day. Is it okay for us to pray against these liberal progressive-leaning, godless people, uh, not necessarily that they would be condemned to hell, but to pray against what they do. And I think automatically of Psalm 129, Psalm 35, there may be other psalms, but specifically where the psalmist is crying out against his enemies. And would you, when we come back, we got about, like I said, 30 seconds, so we're sure. going to go to break. But could you speak to that, to the believers out there? Because I I think it's personally okay for us to pray that their plans fail. And I think we have biblical mandate to do that. But I'd love for you to weigh in on that when we come back, okay? I'll be here. Okay. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I'm talking to Tommy Nelson. Again, if you want to hear the message that we referenced earlier, you can go to Denton Bible. Uh, .org, DentonBible.org. Click on the media, um, and you can go over there. And that message called Continental Collapse will be uh, the second one down. It was on 10-4-20, which was just a few days ago. And we'll be right back with Tommy for our last segment on SWAT Radio. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. 
Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. of Denton Bible Church. Tommy, uh, I just have to say, you know, I know in, uh, I think it's the Psalms, it talks about, you know, how uh, the the fellowship or of the brother is like the dew of Hermon. And just to hear your voice, brother, right. encourages me. So thank you for being with us today and sharing with our listeners. Um, hey, Psalm 35, real quick, listen to this. This is David who says, let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net, without cause they dug a pit. Let their destruction come upon him when he does not know it and let the net he hid ensnare him let him fall into it to his destruction that's psalm 35 psalm 29 129 is similar may all who hate zion be put to shame and turned backwards let them be like the grass on the housetop which withers before it grows these psalms tommy i have always been instructive to me that it's okay to pray that the enemies of God and the enemies of the gospel not prosper in their way. Would you agree with that? Yes. 
But you never in the Bible see a voodoo doll that you can <laughs> poke it and you can bring evil on somebody. But what you do see is righteousness uplifted, and that which opposes God should oppose you. Mm-hmm. That's why it is said of Israel's enemies that they will come out one way and they will flee seven. Uh, that's why you have uh, Pharaoh that turned nature into gods and refused God and refused his people and killed them. And uh, you saw nature turn on uh, uh, Egypt, and it said Egypt is ruined. And so you see um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar raising his fist against God, and he is struck with madness. You see Sennacherib mocking God. And his army is killed, and he is he is destroyed in his uh, in his temple, talking to his other, to his false god, and his own sons came in and murdered him. Mm. You see Antiochus the fourth of Greece um, persecuting the people of God, and he dies uh, uh, is put to death and dies of depression. You see, um, oh gracious! You see the Roman Empire go down. You see Alexander the Great. A horn broken off in its youth. You see a, uh, the Syrians of uh, Ben Hadad hiding under a table, um, offering himself to the Jewish kings to show mercy to, and Ahab being killed by a uh, uh, an arrow in the joint of his armor and bleeding to death, and Abimelech being struck in the head at random and dying. And so, you always see the enemies of God destroyed. And so to raise up and say, God, I pray, I pray, God, get Amy Coney Barrett in there. And would there be a day, God, that you would remove all those that oppose life in the womb and that take away the freedom of a believer? And, Lord, uh, would you take away any judge that opposes you and remove him? I know I have no problem. I'm praying my prayer, Doug, whether God will answer it or not. It's not merely that uh, the Republican cause, not simply Republican, but the Republican cause that honors life in the womb and stands against sodomy and stands against the removal of Christian rights, that that cause would not merely win, but I pray that it would win in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Because right now our culture is like Israel in uh, Genesis six or Judges sixty nine. We're at a watershed, not between big government, small government, Republican, Democrat, but atheism and theism between the honor of God and the honor of man placed in the place of God. And so I pray that will be defeated soundly. I pray that universities that want to take your virginity and take your faith, uh, that they will uh, cascade downward and and slip off the slope and not know the blessing of God on them. I pray that they will be removed. And so, no, I have no problem praying against those things that oppose God. Well, it's interesting to me, uh, Tommy, that I've been to places in the world where you couldn't, people would tell me, don't say the name of Jesus. It'll, it won't be good for us here. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. talked to some of these people that are in those places and they're rooting for president Trump and the Republican party. They don't know oh, Trump. Yes. They don't know anything about him, except that when tr- he's in office, 
that it's good for Christians. That's what their view is. And I've never said one word to them about politics. So I, I just think that, you know, like I got an email earlier in the week about a guy who said, I thought y'all used to be out about family values, honesty, and integrity. There's nothing moral about Trump and it's hypocrisy for evangelicals to vote for him or to support him. But again, I want to go back to something you said earlier, and you said this four years ago with with uh, the 2016 that we vote for a platform. The same thing Gruden said. We got about two or three minutes right. left. Can you just crystallize that one more time about how we are voting for a difference in platforms? We're not voting for people. Yeah, Donald Donald Trump is um, he is uh, my uh, I have family that is in uh, uh, law enforcement in D.C., and they are close to him. (laughs) So uh, they have said this is uh, a man who is a radical American um, uh, patriot, that he has an an extremely loyal family, respectful family, uh, this one relation I have said that his wife, he said, Melania Trump is the smartest first lady perhaps that's ever been in Washington, and she is smart in her third language is English. Yeah. Uh, he is, he said he is devoted to this country. He has no, he took a cut in pay becoming president. He has no personal ambitions. His ambitions are just what he said, is to make America great again. Hmm. And so I am for him. Um, is he a Sunday school teacher? No, I don't know if I'd let Bush teach Sunday school. I sure <laughs> wouldn't let John Kennedy. I darn sure wouldn't let LBJ, yeah. nor Richard Nixon. But um, And Ronald Reagan was a good Presbyterian. I don't know if I'd let him teach Sunday school. So I'm not trying to look for a Sunday school teacher. I'm trying to look for one that rules. And so uh, that's what I want, is a platform and for appointments in the court's I want for those that are congressmen and senators and representatives that will be able to step in there with that same platform of opposing murder and opposing sodomy and opposing the loss of Christian liberty, of opposing the secession uh, of the United States. Whenever a a city becomes a sanctuary city, that is called secessionism. That is what South Carolina did in the 1860s. That's why we had a civil war. They we're going to withdraw from the Union and have our own rules right here. That is what the Northwest is doing. And I've, I'm watching it. I've got guys in my congregation that are rabid uh, Republican supporters, and they are natives from Cuba. Mm. You dig? Yeah. They've seen it. Yeah. They said, I've seen it. I've seen what happens to socialism. I've seen what happens when atheism governs. I've seen what happens when the voice of the people is the voice of God, that you end up with horror. And so they stand against them. And this is my fear, Doug, that that we have gotten to the place that our country has become so theologically, morally, spiritually decadent that you actually could have uh, a prevailing majority that desperately long for perversion and long for death and long for immorality and long for a complete uncensorship of evil, and that they will put in Abimelech, and fire will come from the bramble and burn our cedars to the ground. 
And so as David said in the Psalms, for the sake of my family and my friends, Jerusalem, I seek thy good. That I want Washington to flourish because I've got grandchildren. I mean, I'm almost 70. I'm going to be dead and out of here in about 15 years. <laughs> but I've got grandkids and great-grandkids, and I want them to know the America that I grew up in. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Well, I want to go back, because you mentioned uh, the Abimelech. Again, if you didn't hear the first part of this program, you're listening to SWAT Radio. You can go to SWATradio.com. This program will be aired again. You can go there to SWATradio.com and click on the podcast. Uh, anywhere you get podcasts, just put in SWAT Radio and listen to it. Uh, Tommy, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to tell everybody one more time, go to DentonBible.org and go on media. And when you go there, you can see this message called Continental Collapse, Tommy did. And then it will have little ads up there. You can get some of his books that are really encouraging. And, Tommy, I pray for you and your bride and your church. Blessings on you and know that you're loved and missed. I wish I was out there in Texas with you, brother. Hey, I'll see you at the Eastern Gate, if not before. Okay, you have a good one. Hey, you've been listening to SWAT Radio Go to SWATradio.com to catch this program and any other past program. Share these programs, this one today and last week's with Wayne Grudem. And uh, we will be back on Monday next week, and we'll be looking at uh, Hebrews. I'm glad to keep teaching through. We're going to be in Chapter 12. Have a great weekend, and God bless you. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual